This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart, where we look at all the business and market news across the world with Oanda senior market analysts all over the globe. And today it is Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Johnny. It's a busy old podcast today, plenty to rattle through. Let's start with the latest breaking news, which has come from your side of the pond. And it's the latest non-farm payroll figures and growth much stronger than analysts had expected, even stronger than you expected when we spoke this time last week. Employers adding 379,000 jobs in February. That breaks a a two-month streak of pretty minimal gains. Certainly hiring surged in the US last month as virus cases dropped, the vaccination campaign gained some steam and uh, restaurants and bars brought back workers. But nonetheless, uh, better figures than analysts had expected. And how have the markets responded to that? Well, I I think markets are pretty much believing that uh, the economy is improving dramatically. Um, you know, you, you highlighted the impressive gain we saw in jobs in, in February, but also remember the prior month was also revised significantly higher too. So I think right now what we're seeing is that there is strong optimism that this economy is ready to roar higher. Um, you, you, you know, remember the, like last week we were talking about the possible impact of the deep freeze, which really affected several states in the South. And that did not derail these numbers whatsoever. So so I think right now you're probably uh, seeing that investors are anticipating that this is going to continue to uh, drive growth prospects, which uh, should in turn continue this bond market sell-off, which should push yields higher. And uh, that's probably gonna continue to weigh on on stocks and um, uh, also send the US dollar higher. It's funny, isn't it? Because on both sides of the Atlantic, when it comes to the USA and the UK, and we talk about the UK and specifically the budget in a moment or two, but um, things have gone much better than expected. Forecasts have been revised up uh, for both the United States and the UK, not so much in Europe, of course, and some of the other parts of the world. But it just shows you because of a strong vaccination program in both of these two countries, the UK and the USA, it's made a mighty difference, hasn't it, to uh, the positivity and the optimism around, and that has affected markets. Uh, very much so. And one of the, the, I think, the big takeaways, too, is um, over in Europe, uh, the, the virus variants really kind of provided a, a little bit of a disruption in the reopening of the economy. And in the US right now, uh, we're, we're starting to see uh, the B117 work its way through, and uh, it really cases have steadily declined. So uh, there's not been a, another hit because of the virus variant. But I think right now, uh, all the health experts are are saying, you know, we we won't know for sure until the middle of or the end of March. So I think right now, the U.S. economy has really benefited from just a, a, a strong uh, shift in, 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 as far as how the pandemic has unfolded here. And, and right now, cases continue to drop. Um, we've seen uh, 20% declines. Now it's it's somewhat slowing down, but there, there's still this, this tremendous upside belief that we are going to have more states reopen. Uh, Texas already announced they're going to completely reopen on Wednesday. Mississippi's following them. And the pressure is going to grow to reopen the economy. And I think what you're starting to see is 
a lot of the the, the seniors, uh, the the older population that was first to to get the vaccines, they're ready to travel. Uh, senior citizens are looking to book t tickets. They want to visit family members across the country or go on uh, many vacations. And the the millennials, the 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 young young working public is is really uh, tired of this pandemic. And they're I mean, if if, if you follow my social media feed, uh, some of my younger uh, friends they've they've not really slowed down. They've continued with life. And I think you're going to see there's going to be more excitement that uh, there, there's going to be much more economic activity uh, as we get to the warmer months. And then that's really just driving this growth outlook in the U.S. But there, there's still some risks. But I think right now there's so much optimism. You know, we're, the U.S. is on the verge of getting another uh, massive trillion dollar stimulus bill. Uh, and, and the Biden administration's already got the ball going for infrastructure spending. And I think there's is going to be a tough debate as far as how to get that push through but i think republicans are going to be on board for that if it helps their regions and i think democrats have a strong chance of being able to 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 get this last stimulus relief bill passed through this weekend and possibly uh, get infrastructure spending set up to uh, possibly happen around the summertime what you're probably going to see though is that uh, you know the the success of of the economy that we've we've seen in these recent months uh, is going to raise calls for well do we really need all this stimulus uh, is the fed being overly uh dovish here and are, are they are they really kind of uh, not having a realistic view as far as when they should start to tighten and have that taper tantrum and i think you know the bond market is going to test them and, and right now uh, the Fed is starting to lose control at both ends of the curve, and, and I think that you're going to see that their job is going to be a lot more complicated in these next couple of, of um, months. And, and right now, uh, if, if the move in treasuries continues, and if we see the 10-year yield trading above 170, that is going to start to weigh on uh, the economic recovery. That's going to tighten conditions, and I think you're going to see that uh, the Fed's going to be forced to do more, and what probably they'll they'll end up having to consider is Operation Twist or, or some type of uh, adjustment in their in their purchases. But I, I think you're going to probably see that the Fed is going to remain steady. They're they're willing to tolerate higher yields. Uh, they just don't want it to happen immediately. And uh, I, I think that right now, everyone is on edge because. Uh, we're not going to hear from Powell until the Fed uh, March 17th meeting. So there's several trading sessions that we're, we're going to have to go through during that blackout period where the rise in yields could could really uh, accelerate. And if that happens, uh, you're, you're probably going to see a much stronger U.S. dollar, which you know was not the consensus trade at all uh, at the beginning of the year. Be interesting to see if the numbers of people out and about and, uh, as you said, going on vacations in America will uh, increase the demand for energy and for oil, which is a good segue to the latest from OPEC+. Plus. We've seen oil uh, rally, uh, oil prices up more than 5%. Uh, Brent crude uh, above what, $67 a barrel. That's near the highest level since January 2020. And that's after OPEC and Russia decided against unleashing a flood of crude onto the market. And Saudi Arabia itself urged fellow oil producers to, quote, unquote, keep their powder dry in the face of uh, persistent uncertainty linked to the pandemic. There will be a point, though, of course, where demand 
for oil rises because things have opened up again, they'll have to make a decision about whether to um, turn on the taps properly again. We're going to have a tighter oil market, and that's why prices are just skyrocketing higher. I think that, you know, heading to that OPEC Plus meeting, there was uh, a strong belief. I, I was one of the, the people that thought that we were going to see a 500,000 uh, barrel uh, increase for the, the group, and the Saudis were going to end their 1 million uh, barrel uh, voluntary cut. Well, <laughs> they, 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 they refrained from both, and that really uh, surprised markets. I think that uh, uh, the Saudi prince really did an amazing job as far as just uh, kind of uh, taking over and, and, and dictating where oil prices are going to go. Uh, this move signals that the Saudis, uh, and, and also you could say the Russians too, are not concerned about U.S. production. I think that if if Trump was president and you knew that the shale companies and, and, and U.S. energy companies were just going to go and, and salivate at this opportunity of higher prices and free reign as far as you know pumping out more oil, uh, that would really take away market share. The, the, the Saudis and Russians now firmly believe, based off of this action, that okay, shale production is going to increase, uh, but it's not going to be anything that's going to uh, take away significant chunks of their market share. And this means that you're going to probably have the benefit of higher prices, and uh, that's going to kind of overcompensate for some shortfalls that you're, you're kind of holding back, increasing your production. I think you're going to see that there, there's going to be a super cycle here for, for some commodities, and right now, oil is probably going to be one of them because what we're seeing too is this demand pickup. We don't know exactly how it's going to unfold, but um, especially in the U.S., uh, these shale wells, they're going to run dry fairly soon. And uh, it, it is not as easy uh, to to kind of uh, ramp up production. So um, just because you have the demand, it's not like you could flip a switch and have everything kind of work as nicely as you want it to be. So, so I think right now, uh, oversupply concerns and uh, that that's gone out the window. And right now, there, there's still, I think, some potential uh, uh, upside here that you're gonna you're gonna start to see that uh, if the demand situation really uh, picks up globally, uh, there's just not enough crude uh, out there, and that's gonna really drive prices much higher. Very interesting, and just shows how quickly things can change when we were but a few months ago talking about the incredible idea of negative oil prices. I mean, that was, what, six months ago? I mean, how far could they go? I think that right now, um, for Brent, I think that uh, you're, you're, you know, I wouldn't blink if I saw $80 later this year. I think that there, there are, I think, some factors that will kind of eventually uh, slow down that move higher. Um, I, I think you're eventually once probably closer to the summer months when everyone is trying to secure their market share you'll you'll start to see that okay the the supply is coming back a little bit faster than than um like most most of the than what the saudis would want but uh for the most part uh you know we are going to see higher prices i think there's 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 no there's no um doubt as far as that goes as, with respect to 
the way this recovery, global economic recovery is unfolding. Um, un unless there's some unforeseen event, I, I think that it's safe to, to believe that uh, the, the fundamentals are lining up um, on the demand side and also on the supply side. So, so I think that, uh, you know, if, if, we, if we have some uh, geopolitical risks that, that uh, just come on top of this move, no, you could easily see that there could be a, a, a reason where we, we have prices surge higher. But um, yeah, I think um, $80 for Brent is something that is, is not too outlandish. Uh, but um, 100 would be, there's, there's still, there, I think there's still work for, for, for that to happen. And uh, right now, I think the 80, 80 to 85 would probably be the upper boundaries of where, where I see Brent going this year. Okay, let's go to China. And uh, China apparently now aiming for an economic growth rate above 6% this year after scrapping its target last year. This came from uh, China today at the opening of this year's National People's Congress. And that target marks a return to strong growth after the pandemic certainly made a huge impact on the world's second largest economy. Is, is that significant, that target? Well, it's it's a modest growth target, and it, it does signal that they're they're kind of shifting uh, their policy from the world. I think they're they're focused on their domestic <laughs> economy, and uh, I, I think their their commitment to uh, uh, growing uh, their tech technology space I, I think shows that uh, China is they're 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 committed to becoming the, the dominant leader in, in the world. And uh, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of optimism uh, that, that China, uh, their economy is going to continue to, to thrive. And uh, I think that uh, you're, you're probably going to see uh, the political risks, I, I think, with um, everything that's happening in Hong Kong. Uh, we'll, we'll see exactly how these how the Europeans and Americans uh, agree in, in, in working with China. But I, I think right now, um, investors, though, they, they I think uh, everyone wants to have some exposure to China. I think they're going to uh, lead um, eventually in an invasion. And that's uh, why you're, you're seeing uh, many investors become uh, uh, fixated on, on that. And, and, and I think right now you're, you're probably seeing that China has been doing very well due to uh, their handling of, of the virus. And uh, I think you're probably going to anticipate that more investors are just going to remain fixated on China. Okay, uh, Ed, I think it's only fair we do cross the world and cross the Atlantic and talk about the UK for a minute or two because we did have a big moment uh, this week on Wednesday, of course. Uh, a big day for the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak. Um, his second budget and, uh, you know, the eyes of the country were on that, per, you know, in this sort of uh, pandemic period where we're hoping to get out of it and, and what he was going to do, where he was going to, make the tax increases and support the workers and those in need uh, during these last few months of the pandemic. And, uh, well, it's gone down pretty well, actually, with both the markets and the electorate. And I saw a poll actually this morning, I think in the Times. Amazing. The Conservative Party now 13 points ahead of the Labour Party opposition following that budget. Um, Chancellor Rishi Sunak certainly... You know the the second most popular politician, and uh, Boris Johnson isn't too doing too badly either. Uh, looking at the the numbers, um, uh, plenty to talk about. He may be forced to impose further tax rises on British households to address 
what are, for some, implausible public spending plans. In the traditional post-budget briefings, a wide range of economists from the Institute for Fiscal Studies, the Resolution Foundation, the Office for Budget, budget Responsibility questioned whether the Chancellor's public spending totals were were adequate or not. But um, it seems to have got, gone down much better than many people ha- had expected. Definitely. I think the budget was well-received. And I think investors were kind of uh, anticipating the extension of uh, support to the economy. Prolonging the job furlough program was was a given. Uh, and the inevitable tax increases, I mean, that, that goes without saying for everyone. <laughs> I think that um, I think the UK economy is getting the support it needs. And right now, investors, uh, when you look across Europe, um, you know, the UK is the preferred investment choice. I think, you know, when you take a look at today's today's weakness, I, I think that uh, you, you could see that uh, uh, the, the FTSE 100 is, is down the least. And I think right now there's, there's just this belief that, you know, you're going to see uh, the UK really, I think, have a, a much... Uh, brighter outlook because they're finally moving beyond Brexit. They're finally, uh, they, they've done a, uh, an amazing job as far as uh, getting their economy going uh, with this pandemic. And uh, I think that the vaccine success is, is really uh, leading that. And, and, and there's, there's just, I think, countless optimism that, you know, you're going to see um, the economy just continue to to um, rebound stronger uh, as you know each month goes by as we get more people vaccinated so so there's a lot of optimism that uh, you know the corporate tax rate increase you know in 2023 uh, that, that that's a little disappointing I mean that that uh, you know you're not going to see uh, the UK become the the, the, the Singapore type <laughs> uh, well no solution. not with that because of course that really was the the, the big surprise wasn't it the corporation tax of 25 percent which by the way only really affects the big companies um any of the smes who make a profit of fifty thousand or less uh, wouldn't be touched by any corporation tax in the next few years but 25 percent uh within what two or three years is quite a sizable difference isn't it if we are in this country hoping to attract business from outside into this country that ain't going to do it no, no, it's not. And uh, I think that would be the one uh, big negative takeaway that uh, I think you have from that. Uh, um, and and uh, that's, you know, post-Brexit, you know, you could have made the case that this is where you could have really changed the, the outlook as far as um, incentivizing business to come there. So I, I think that uh, that's kind of the, the one uh, big negative that I would take from, from uh, Sonic's uh uh, budget proposal here, but um, there, there's, there's, there's still uh, I think tremendous upside here for for the UK economy. But um, overall, you're you're probably going to see that, uh, um, for instance, the, the British pound um, right now. It seems like that's really going to just take its cues from the US dollar right now. The the dollar, not to, to to be the American on this one, but the dollar right now is dictating everything in in the short term. But uh, I think overall, once this. Uh, move in, in bond yields kind of stabilizes, uh, you, you should probably st- still see UK assets um, outperform. Yes, indeed. And I was just checking the latest numbers as far as the pound against the dollar is concerned in the 138 or thereabouts. So um, it was doing very well sterling uh, against the dollar up to about 140, wasn't it, a few days ago. But it's uh, it's lost some ground. And as you said, the US dollar is in charge. Okay, um, let's 
preview next week, of course. Are we going to have as busy a week? What's the highlights for you? Next week is uh, an interesting week. We we have. Uh, <laughs> I'll start with the U.S. We have. Um, I think what's really going to be uh, the, the focus for me initially is going to be the uh, reopening of other states. I think Texas starts on Wednesday. You're going to see calls for other states to kind of move forward with uh, reopening uh, their their economies. Uh, that that's really going to dictate exactly you know how strong this uh, this recovery is in, in, in the first quarter. And uh, I, I think what you're probably going to see is that. Um, you know the, the the market is going to remain fixated with bonds. Uh, the the uh, inflation data that we'll get from the U.S. is going to be key. I think that uh, you're probably going to see that there is going to be uh, uh, some price pressures that are starting to to make th their way. And uh, I, I think uh, annual the headline. Um, CPI is supposed to go to 1.7%, but if, if things start to run hotter now, the Fed has telegraphed that they're expecting it, but, uh, but if we start to see things really uh, skyrocket, that could uh, force the Fed's hand in, in, in doing more, and I think the markets will be um, all over that. Um, with, with, with respect to the uh, European uh, outlook, I think you're, you're going to see that uh, I think uh, in the, the UK, I think uh, Monday, you know, you, you begin to ease your lockdowns. Uh, I know many friends, uh, current company included, and enjoying the reopening of England, and uh, I think that uh, is very positive. Yes, we're, I'm calling it uh, Parents' Independence Day <laughs> because uh, my kids have been off school for three months now, and uh, I don't know about them, but it's certainly taken its toll on uh, on us. And uh, there are many, many very relieved parents on Monday. It's almost like the the light at the end of the tunnel really has suddenly emerged and uh, it's come as a great relief and that will have a an effect on on people generally in terms of their spending their optimism their workflow their productivity because it has been i don't wish to complain too much because you know um some people are in a worse position than than, than many but um you know having to work and homeschool and deal with all the repercussions from that has been difficult for you know millions of families in this country and i'm sure the rest of the world as well no very very much so and and, and i think you know the, the the focus right now is is um, everyone is just trying to get a sense of you know how what's the baseline for uh the uh the economy and uh, i think you're going to see a lot of people will focus too also on the german industrial production data that we'll get. Um, there, there's there's going to be, uh, I think, a, a lot of focus also on uh, Governor Bailey's comments on Monday, uh, just updating where they are on uh, with the economic outlook. And then um, I think the, the the main event though for uh, the for Europe is is going to be the ECB rate decision. I mean, obviously, there's no change expected with the deposit facility rate or the refinancing rate, but you're going to start to see uh, the ECB uh, kind of um, emphasize you know their, their goal to maintain favorable financing conditions uh, i think that you're going to get a clear message that you know higher bond yields are triggering an unwanted uh, unwarranted uh, tightening of <clears throat> conditions so so i think you're, you're, you're going to see that the ecb is going to really uh, just kind of uh, unlike the fed they're going to voice their concerns over the bond market rally uh, and uh, I, I think that's going to be uh, an, another thing that you're going to probably see that uh, they're going to have to update their economic 
you know, projections. And uh, I think the right now the, the the outlook, you know, has taken a little bit of a hit. I think for Europe. So I, I think that that there's going to be a little bit of caution there. Um, but that yeah, that's that's the one of the the key events I think for for uh, Europe. And then on, on Friday, you know, UK GDP. That's always uh, an important one as well. So I think that's going to we're going to see the. Uh, you know the impact as far as the uh, lockdowns and uh, how um, you know how the economy um, is going to be uh, after that. So there's there's a lot to follow. I think that uh, you know everyone is is going to really though be fixated on the bond market. Where does the dollar go? And the oil prices. You know how how high can this go? Eventually, oil prices will have that impact on inflation and. Uh, so there's the the situation is is never changing, but it'll be quiet from the Fed because the Fed's uh, rate decision is the following week, and uh, a lot to stay on top of. Thank you very much for joining us today. Absolutely fascinating uh, discussion, and we'll speak to you this time next week. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Johnny.